Well, we're going to jump into the message today. I want to invite you to pull your message notes out. This is, this is incredibly, incredibly important for our single people, especially the teenagers that are here today, especially, especially for you. Everyone is going to get something out of this, but I'm really fighting for the teenagers of our church right now. And so I really encourage you, you if any Sunday of the year, you're going to listen to me as your pastor, listen to me this Sunday and, and take the notes, fill in the blanks. And keep this with you because this is going to be it's going to be a, a defining moment for you today. I really, really believe that the foundation text for this series is, as Paul says in Romans 12, don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. And that's the problem. That's what we've done in Christianity. We, we, we've just bought into culture's way of doing things. And we see that in our results. You look at the statistics in America, the divorce rate amongst Christians is not that much different than the divorce rate in the world. Why? Because we're doing it the way culture does it. We, we've bought into culture's way of doing things. We, we're kinda, we, we fit into it without even thinking, not even knowing that there's another way to do things. And so the challenge of this series and where I'm taking you is let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. We want to change the way you think, especially in the area of love, sex, and dating. Like what I'm going to talk, we call this the new rules, but honestly, it's not new rules, it's old rules. It's stuff that's been around for thousands of years, but we've just forgotten it for so long and we've bought into another way of doing it that it's going to sound new to us today. But God's way works. And I'm going to show you that today. God's way works. And so we began the series with the simple question, are you who? Are you who? The person you're looking for, you're looking for someone, there's somebody that, that you hope to spend your life with, and you've got this idea of who they are, are you who they're looking for, is the question. Like, are you becoming? Are you trying to, because it's not about finding the right person, it's about becoming the right person. And what you're doing today, what you're doing today is either going to set you up for incredible success in your future, or it's going to set you up for incredible failure in the future. And so what we're talking about with this series is there's a lot of didn't you know. Didn't you know, I, out of all the counseling I do, I hear a lot of heartbreak. I hear a lot of just just stories of filled with pain and filled with heartache and filled with just devastated, you know, relationships. And I think to myself as I'm listening to some of these stories, didn't anybody tell you? Didn't you know? Didn't you see that coming? Wasn't it obvious? And the reality is it wasn't. It wasn't obvious. Common sense isn't that common at all. So today, what I want to talk about is, is I want to give you the talk your parents should have gave you when you were growing up. You know, remember the talk growing up, the sex talk? It was like really awkward, and by the time your parents finally got around to talking to you, you already knew everything anyways, and it was like there was no eye contact, and it was really uncomfortable, and you were just glad it was over. What I want to do today is I want to give you the sex talk the way you should have been given the sex talk, because there's some key details that, that for most of us, they were just left out. The, I mean, we, we learned the mechanics, maybe, and, you know, some of the practical things. And, and, and for some of us, we were told, don't do it. And we, why? Well, the Bible says not to. But, but there was really no why behind some of the things that, that we were hearing. And as a result, we made some choices that caused a lot of damage. And, and so what I want to do is I want to give you the one truth today. And I really want to drill down on this truth and really kind of help you understand this truth that, I think all of us inherently know, I think intuitively on the inside, we all kind of know this to be true, but we're taught something completely opposite in culture. And so some of us are kind of conflicted because we're living a life kind of like, you know, listening to cultures lie in this area. But inside, we know that something's not right. There's a disconnect here because 
intuitively, we really know this to be true. And here's the problem. Culture is not going to teach you this truth. And the reason culture is not going to teach you this truth is because it's not marketable. They're not going to make any money off of this. They can't sell this truth to you. Hollywood is not going to write movies about this truth because they'd be boring. They're just not going to be exciting at all. And so we're fed this lie. And and there are married people here today, teenagers, listen to me. There are married people sitting here today who are thinking to themselves, I wish somebody would have told me this when I was your age. I wish somebody would have loved me enough to tell me what I'm about to tell you. And so I really want you to take this to heart today. But let's start with the lie. Let's start with the myth. Let's start with, with what culture constantly feeds us. And it's kind of the underlying lie behind what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. And, and here's the myth. Sex, it's only physical. Sex, it's just physical. It's just physical. So if there's no unwanted pregnancies and nobody gets hurt and it's consensual and there's no STDs, then have fun because it's just physical. It's sport. I mean, it's, it's kind of like ping pong. You know, it's, it's, like, it's like football or tackle football and then roll around the ground as long as you can. I mean, that's because it's just physical, right? I mean, that's what we're taught. Sex is just physical. It's no big deal. Everybody's doing it. It's just physical. So have fun. I mean, as long as nobody gets hurt, just have fun. But here's the truth. It's not just physical, is it? Sex isn't just physical. And the truth is, if you believe that sex is just physical, you hurt yourself at the deepest possible level. And single people, I'm telling you right now, there are people here today. There are people sitting in this room. And because of bad sexual decisions they made years ago, They're now dealing with the consequences of it. And they're living in pain. And they can't even fully connect the dots. And they're conflicted. And they're hurting. Because what you do today is going to show up in your future. So what I want to do for a moment is I want to bring everyone together with with, with just a series of questions. And wherever you're at, whether you're a Christian or you're a non-Christian, whether you're an atheist, whatever you are, I just kind of want to bring us all together and kind of get us all on the same page to realize that this truth is true. It's very, very real. And and for some of you, these questions are going to be very painful. They're going to surface some emotions and some feelings that you haven't felt for a really long time. And they're going to make you think about some stuff that you really... You really didn't want to think about today. And, and honestly, these are questions that I don't have the answers to. And, and we wouldn't even all agree on the answers if I had them. And the purpose of these questions is not to rub any salt in the wounds and, and, and not to make you feel bad. But the purpose simply is to get us to feel the gravity, to feel the weight of this very powerful truth that sex is not just a physical activity, but is much, much deeper. It is connected to your soul at the deepest possible level. So let me ask you some questions to just kind of bring us all together. Why is it? Why is it? Think about it. Why is it that a child who's been sexually abused. Why does that child have such a difficult time telling their parents, yet if they get beat up at the playground or beat up at school, it's, they can tell their parents they got beat up, but if they've been sexually abused, they have such a difficult time telling their parents. If it's just physical, if it's just physical, why is it that a child who's been sexually abused deals with the ramifications of that years later? 
carries it into their adulthood, pain and wounds that, that kind of tilts them off in access for the rest of I mean, if it's just physical, why can't they just brush it off like some dirty old man touched me and I'm just going to kind of move on with my life if it's just physical? Why? If sex is just physical, then how come a woman who's been raped feels like she has to carry that secret? Feels like she can't report, like a woman who's been assaulted can, can report being assaulted, but a woman who's been raped feels like they have to carry that secret. On If it's just physical, why, why is it different? Why is it different? If sex is just physical, then how come for men who are, who are struggling with the deepest sexual issues in the majority of the time, in my case, every single time I've ever counseled somebody, Men that have, have the deepest sexual issues in every situation, in my experience, there is a missing or an unavailable father. And years later, through a lot of therapy and a lot of counseling and a lot of, you know, everything else, they begin to connect some of the dots and, and, and they can't put it all together, but they realize somehow this goes back to that. And I'm not just talking about a curiosity. I'm talking about a struggle, an addiction that that has a grip on their life. Why is it as a pastor when somebody comes to me and they, they begin to confide in their deepest regrets in life? When they say things like, I've never told anybody this before. How come it's never like, you know, I, I stole a pack of gum when I was in fifth grade. It's always sexual in nature. Every single time when I hear the deepest regrets of people, it's always sexual in nature. The answer is, and you know this in your heart to be true, you know this intuitively, sex is not just a physical activity, but we live in a culture that wants you to believe it's simple and it's fun and it's no big deal and as long as nobody gets hurt. But eventually in our heart, we come crashing into this reality. And what I want you to, especially you teenagers that are here today, I want you to know how fragile your sexuality is. You have one chance to live this life. You have one chance to manage your sexuality, this very, very fragile, important part of your life. And see, what makes this so powerful, what makes this so important, what makes it so fragile is that God designed sex between human beings for one primary reason. You see, sex with animals is all about procreation, but, in, but within the human species, God designed sex for something radically different. And yes, procreation is a byproduct of sex, but the purpose of sex, God's design of sex was intimacy. God created sex for intimacy. What, what is intimacy? Intimacy is to know and be fully known. And God designed sex for this intimacy. Now, I had this thought this way. This is funny to think about if, if you actually think about it. If you're a creationist at any level, here's the thought. Once upon a time, there was no such thing as sex. You get that, right? It was a created thing. So once upon a time, there was no such thing as sex. And one day God says, oh, I got a great idea. And one of the angels asks, what is it? Oh, you wouldn't understand it at all. I mean, you, you do know God designed this. It's the ultimate expression of intimacy. And you can prove it biologically. 
How come the human species is the only species on planet Earth that was created to have sex face to face? Think about it. No other species on Earth has sex face to face. Because God designed it for humans, not just for procreation, but God designed it for intimacy. To bring us close together. To know me at my most intimate and my most vulnerable level. And God said it's going to be powerful and it's going to be fragile. And I'm going to give it to humans as a gift. But I hope that they're careful Because as powerful as this is, and as fragile as this is, it can be broken. And single people, you know people who've broken this. Some of you grew up in families with parents who who broke this, and and there were issues, and there was tension, and there was struggle, and, and you didn't quite know what was going on, but you knew somehow it was connected to this. I've been counseling a high profile pastor in America whose wife just left him. And his wife left him, and here's what she said. She said, you make me feel used and like a prostitute. That's what she said. And he couldn't figure it out because he doesn't struggle with pornography and he's never had an affair on her. He did everything by the book. He couldn't figure out why she feels this way. And as I began to counsel him, and as I began to interview him and and kind of dig into his past, I realized that before he was a Christian, he had multiple sexual partners. He had all these sexual partners, never got healed, never broke those sexual soul ties in his life. And so for 20 years of marriage, every time he had sex with his wife, he was bringing 20 extra women into the room with him. And the one thing that God designed to bring them close together is now driving them further apart. Destroying the intimacy, not not gluing the intimacy. And he couldn't get it. And, And I was trying to help him understand, you've got a sexual addiction, and instead of pornography and instead of affairs, you're using your wife to fulfill your sexual addiction. And, and he couldn't see it, and his therapist couldn't even see it. And I finally had to wake him up. And, and, and what I'm about to say is, is not, you know, I'm, I'm not trying to be vulgar. And again, it's not to shock you with anything, but I needed to wake this guy up. And I said, listen, this is what you're doing. For 20 years, you've been using your wife's body to masturbate yourself. And he got it. But it was too late. It was too late. And some of you, you understand what I'm talking about right now because you're married and you're struggling and there's no intimacy going on right now and you can't figure out because you're not struggling with sin. See, there were some soul ties created that haven't been broken. And now there's no intimacy. And now there's a lot of pain. And the one thing that God gave you is this beautiful gift to bring you close together is actually driving you further apart. And we counsel couples all the time who are dealing with this. And, and the good news is there's hope. There's freedom. You can be restored. It, it, it's not going to be easy. It's going to take some time. But there is grace available. But single people, those of you that are teenagers, hear me. This is a gift, and it's fragile, and you need to handle it with care. And when you express it in the right context, it is the most beautiful, it is the most amazing, it is the most incredible gift you'll ever experience. But you cannot buy into the lie of culture. And here's the thing. The Bible talks about this. That's why I love the Bible. This is why I want you to read the Bible every day. The Bible talks about this stuff. Here's the deal. 2,000 years ago, somebody in the Bible wrote what I just got done telling you. 
Like all of the questions I just read, the truth that I just illustrated, somebody told us that two thousand years ago to a group of people who didn't know just like we didn't know and nobody ever told us and and the, and the problem was we grew up in families and we grew up in churches and they never talked about this stuff all they did was say don't have sex before you're married and we said well why and they said the bible tells you not to and that was it and no one ever told us why the bible tells us why in scripture we find the answer but here's the thing. If you're not a Christian, and, you, and you're not buying into any of this, you're like, well, that's just you Christians, and that's kind of what you believe. Let me add a category to your thinking for a moment. Did you know, for those of you that kind of aren't buying it because you just think this is a Christian message, did you know, historically speaking, religion has never been for marriage fidelity? Did you know that? Religion has never been for faithfulness in marriage. Historically, religion has been for as much sex, as many, most, whatever, prostitution, and everything else. You look at any man-made religion in the world, and women are treated as a commodity. Sex is accepted. It's permitted. They would worship through kind of temple orgies and prostitution. See, this whole idea of being faithful in marriage was a very unique concept that was foreign to religion. So let me illustrate it like this, man. If you were Moses, and it was fake. Let's think about this for a moment. If you were Moses, and, 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 and you were scamming all these people, like you got all these people to believe you were this prophet, and you were hearing from God, and you were going up on the mountain, and you're going to bring down the law of God. See, this is how I know Christianity came from God, because no man would ever wrote what Moses brought down. You know what I'm saying? I mean, what would you have brought down, man? Like, if you, if you had all these people fooled, and they were going to do and believe anything you brought down from the mountain, because they all believe that you're meeting with God, and, and you would have come up with every cult leader in the history of this world has come up with, as the father of the people. I should get to father the people. Look at every cult leader. They can have sex with whoever they want, whenever they want, women, children, boys. So again, religion, historically speaking, has never been for marriage fidelity, sexual fidelity. All of the nations around the Israelites, when Moses went up in the mountain, none of them practiced this. Moses came down and said, it's one man and one woman in marriage. That was foreign. No man would have written that. That's why we know it's from God. And Jesus goes on to echo this in the most extreme terms. And then Paul comes along into the city of Corinth. Corinth was the most immoral city in the first century. They were famous for temple prostitution, the temple of Aphrodite. It was the most sexually immoral, sexually wicked, the most vile. I mean, Las Vegas didn't even compete with Corinth of that day. And Paul comes along and he's speaking to these brand new baby Christians who are trying to figure out and manage their sexual, you know, uh, you know, identity in this very immoral, wicked city. And Paul begins to say some things and, 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 and God sends Paul and God's thinking, somebody has to tell them that is not what I designed it for. And so Paul comes to these baby Christians and he says, guys, I need to explain some stuff to you. I need to tell you something. I need to tell you what God had in mind. 
Because again, religion is not against sex outside of marriage. Religion isn't. So with that in mind, I want you to, I want you to put that in context for a minute. I want you to understand where Paul is coming from. It's because a lot of us get this idea, Paul is this narrow-minded Christian trying to take our fun away, and he's trying to take our joy away, and, you know, Paul, no, no, no. That, Paul was coming to a world that was very broken, and he was bringing truth. And here's what Paul says into this world. Of all sorts of sexual immorality and temple prostitution and everything else, Paul says that these baby Christians flee, flee, run. Get away from sexual immorality. And he defines sexual immorality as any sexual activity outside of a biblically defined marriage. That's oral sex, that's using your hands, that's, that's sexual intercourse. I just want to make it clear for our teenagers. Because I know people like to, you know, like, how far can I go? God's very clear. This is a very fragile part of your life. And Paul's saying, flee, sexual activity, any, any sexual activity outside of a biblically defined marriage. And then he goes on to say what, again, what I just illustrated through those questions we all know intuitively. He says, all other sins, all other sins, every other category of sin apart from sexual immorality, See, Paul's about to tell us what we just discovered through those questions. That sexual sin is like no other sin. Because, and, and again, it's not because God hates it more. See, see, it's not God hates sexual sinners and God hates sexual. It's not because God hates it any worse than any other sin. It's because sexual sin hurts you worse. It, 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 it hurts you, the offender, and even at times the offended. And the depth of how it hurts you you, Paul's about to illustrate. All other sins a person commits are outside the body. But whoever sins sexually, and again, this is what we discovered a moment ago, sins against their own body. You damage yourself at the deepest possible level. Sex is not just physical. When you sin sexually, you hurt yourself at the deepest level imaginable. And you're going to carry those wounds and you're going to carry those scars and they're going to last for, for some of you for years. For years. And I know firsthand. And yes, God's forgiven me. And yes, God's healed me. But can I tell you, I still carry some scars. And they still pop up every once in a while. And they still affect my marriage every once in a while. And God gives us the grace to get through it. But teenagers, I'm fighting for you. I don't want you to have to go through what I went through. And it was hard to do this message. I did, I did not want to do this message today. All week long, I've had to fight Satan lying to me. You're a hypocrite. You can't preach that. Look at your past. Look at what you've done. But I'm fighting for you. Paul goes on, do you not know? And again, they didn't know. Do you not know? Do you not? Wasn't it obvious? Didn't anyone tell you? No. That he, now look at this. He who unites, this word unites in the Greek is the Greek word kaleo. He who kaleo unites himself with a prostitute is one with her in body. Do you not know? To which the people who were hearing this would have said to Paul, no, 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 Paul, wait a second. No, no, no. That's the, we're, nobody's uniting around here. We're just having sex. 
There's no uniting. She was a prostitute. There, there's no, it's not kaleo, Paul. I mean, I mean, this is just physical. The, 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 what you're talking about, Paul, that's not what's happening. And here's why. This Greek word kaleo that Paul is using would have shocked them because it means to permanently fuse yourself together at the deepest possible level, to cement yourself together. It's like scrambled eggs. It's to become so intertwined where, where, where there's a gripping of your souls fusing together. And they're like, no, 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 Paul, it was just a prostitute. No, nobody's uniting. It's not kaleo, Paul. I'm not permanently fusing myself. It's just, it's just physical. And Paul's saying that's because you don't understand sex. You don't understand what God created it for, what it was designed for. Some of you are like, well, no, 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 Aaron, it, what? No, it's not that. It's not, it was spring break. All my girlfriends were doing, I didn't even know his name. It wasn't a big deal. I was out with the guys, you know, we were, I was just a one night stand. It wasn't Kaleo. It wasn't, I wasn't uniting myself with her. I don't, I didn't even remember her name. Do you not know? Do you not know? Didn't you know? Didn't anybody tell you that when you keep uniting yourself with different people, when you keep giving a part of your soul and you keep cementing your soul to all of these different people, you damage yourself at the deepest level. And you begin to destroy your ability to connect. You begin to destroy your ability to be intimate with anybody. You damage something so fragile. And it may take a while. It may take years for some of you. But the good news is there is hope. There is healing. And I know this message is hard for some of you. Now, some of you right now are in marriages, and, and this is becoming this is eye-opening for you because you're like, I'm starting to see, I'm starting to see. There's hope for you. You didn't marry the wrong person. Intimacy can be restored. God's grace, God, it, it's going to take some work. It's going to take some time. It's not going to be easy. But single people, listen to me, you get to get this right. For us married people, it's a lot harder. It's possible. God's grace is there. But single people, you can turn some things around. You can do this differently. And then Paul goes all the way back to the book of Genesis, and he says, for it is said, the two will become one flesh. And again, there's that intimacy, the two becoming one, the two knowing each other at the deepest possible level. That is intimacy. I know some of you sitting here today, wow, Aaron, this is, this is so extreme. I mean, man, you're making a big deal out of nothing. I mean, it's not that big a deal. I mean, it's just sex. I mean, what, what, are, you, what are you making such a big deal about? You know, honestly, this is what I know you know in your heart. Like, I know in your heart you know this to be true, that sex isn't just physical. It's connected to your soul at the deepest possible level. And so Paul goes on to address these baby Christians and, and kind of give them some instruction on how they're supposed to live their life in this very immoral, messed up, broken world. And he says, do you not know? Again, do you not know? Didn't anyone tell you? That your bodies, your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God. And they're thinking, no, I thought my body was my body. I thought I could do whatever I wanted with my body. I can give my body to, you know, to whoever I want, do whatever I want with my body. And I'll come to church on Sunday, but my body is my body. And Paul's saying, no, your body's not your body. You're not your own. You were bought at a price. Jesus shed his blood to purchase you. You have no right to give your body to anybody outside of marriage because your body isn't your own. Your body's not your own. 
It's powerful, isn't it? Hits home, doesn't it? So let me give you the practical application, then we're going to unpack it. So here's the practical application. Therefore, this is the challenge to single people. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. So here's the question. How best is a single person? How best is a kid in college? How best is a teenager? How best is a fraternity brother or a sorority sister? How best is somebody that's been divorced? How best is a single person in their 30s or their 40s? How best do I honor God with my body? That's the question. How best do I honor God with my body? And I know this teaching goes against everything in our culture. It goes against everything you've heard. Some of you are thinking, well, I'm divorced and I'm in my 40s. This doesn't apply to me. This is for teenagers. No. The question is, how best, as a single person, do I honor God with my body? And I know one of the arguments I'll get, because I get it occasionally, and it's, it's, it's the argument, well, that's good for you. You're religious. You're a pastor. You're a Christian. So that's good for you. But for me, you know, I don't see sex that way. Sex is a, is a preference. It's, it, it, and that's the big thing right now. Sex is a preference. Sex is a preference. Can, can I help you understand the logic of that? Sex is not a preference. Sex isn't a preference, and here's why. Here's the logic of it. Because it has a predictable outcome. See, a preference doesn't have a predictable outcome. A preference is just a preference. Like, I like that type of art, you like that type of art. There's no outcome to that. Sex is like nutrition. What you put in your body there's going to be a predictable outcome for what that's going to do to your body. Like the food you eat, there's an outcome, good or bad, to the type of stuff you consume and how much you consume. Sex is the same way. How you use sex, there is a predictable outcome, good or bad, to how you use sex. So it cannot be a preference because there's a predictable outcome. So here's the truth. Sex is not just a matter of personal preference. Sex is not a matter of personal preference. In fact, sex is a matter of divine design. God created sex. And the creator knows how best to use the design. And if you use the design wrong, you can break it because it is fragile and it is powerful. And God made it to work a certain way. And that's why there are consequences, good or bad, to how you use this incredible, incredible, fragile, powerful gift that God has given us. And let me give you one more myth. Since we've got a lot of teenagers in our church, a lot of young college people, let me, let me give you one more myth, one more lie that, that you're being sold. And, 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 and this one's crazy to believe, but there's actually people who believe this, especially you know, teenagers today. And, and here, here's the lie. Here's the myth. Practice makes perfect. I know some of you, some of you, some of you, you know, you may not have worded it that way, but you've thought it. Practice makes perfect. So the more sexual partners you have, the better you're going to be at it. And then one day you're going to get married and you're going to be so good at it. Can, can I tell you, single people, teenagers, can I tell you what no married person has ever said? Can I tell you what no wife has ever said to her husband and no husband has ever said to his wife? I'm so glad you practiced before we met. I'm so glad you're so good at this. I mean, we can enter a contest and win a prize. I mean. But see, here's what some of you thought. Some of you thought, well, I don't want to look stupid when I get married. Trust me, look stupid. The greatest gift you can give your spouse is look stupid. Look stupid. Because here's the thing. Sex is not like playing the piano. You don't need lessons. 
I promise you single people, teenagers, listen to me. You can figure out how to have sex the first time without any practice or lessons at all. Guaranteed. Guaranteed. There's no practice session required. You'll figure it out. I promise you, you'll figure it out. So here's the truth. It's not practice makes perfect. The truth is romance and marriage is fueled by a sense of exclusivity. It's not fueled by skill. It's fueled by being exclusive. I waited for you. And you waited for me. And and we'll figure this thing out together. But I'm going to give all of myself to all of you. You're not going to get leftovers. I'm going to give everything I have to you. And I know married people who did that. My my best friend from Sweden is in town. And him and his wife were virgins when they got married. And can I tell you, they've got the happiest marriage out of any friend I have. There's no insecurity in their marriage. She's not thinking like, you know, you know, how do I compete or how do I compare to, to all the girls of his past? And he's not thinking the same thing. And, and, and they have the happiest, healthiest marriage of anybody I know because they were both virgins when they got married. See, it's power. And I know some of you are thinking, well, you know, it's, it's different for me because I'm going to marry this girl. So it's like, it's okay. <laughs> Guys, let me break the news to you for a moment. And, and you're not going to go against math. I know you think you, I know you think what you have is unique and it's okay because we're going to get married and we're engaged or whatever. Here's the truth. Here's the, re- and this isn't Christian research. This is research. And you can ask the smart people why this is the way it is. And, and they, can, they can explain it all to you. But there's a phenomenon in America with women. A woman that has sex with her husband before she gets married, about two years into marriage, loses desire and interest for sex. You're setting yourself up for misery, buddy. I'm telling you right now. You're setting yourself up for, for just trust me on that. Trust me. You can, you can study the research. You can have some smart person explain it to you. That's the truth. And you're not going to go against the math. You're not going to go. You think, man, we have such great sex, and is it going to last forever? No, it's going to last about two years. And that's Satan's plan for you. Satan wants you to have all the sex you can before you're married and then to stop having sex after you get married. And he's winning. The research says he's winning. But the people who protect this beautiful, fragile gift, they enjoy this gift for 40, 50, 60 years. I mean, what do you want, young people? You want a couple years of fun and then 40 years of hell? Sexless marriage? Is that what you're looking forward to? Like, I can't wait to be married for 40 years and not have sex. Like, once nine months. I mean, come on. Is that really what you want? Why don't you make it a decision? I'm going to be a virgin when I get married. I'm going to save the best of me. And, 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 and listen, listen, I, I'm not naive. This is 2016. I know right now this message is landing in a lot of different areas. I know there's a lot of you who are, who are really hurting right now because of what I'm saying. I'm in your boat right now. I didn't want to do this message today because of my past. Because every time I do this, I've got to relive things. And every time I do this, my wife has to relive things. And God's healed us. But we still carry scars and we still carry wounds in our life because of the choices that we made. And so right now, there's a lot of guilt that some of you are feeling. There's a lot of shame that some of you are feeling. Some of you parents are thinking, preach it, preach it harder. How hard can you preach this? (laughs) And then some of you, like me, are sitting here thinking, I wish, I wish somebody would have told me this. I wish my pastor would have loved me enough to preach this to me when I was younger. So as we leave today, let me just speak to single people for a moment. I call this the singles practical application moment. So how do you honor God with your body? Let's talk about that for a moment. Number one, I want you to determine the story you want to tell. 
Every teenager, look at me in the eye right now. Look at every teenager, look at me in the eye right now, wherever you're at. Determine the story that you want to tell. Determine the story you want to tell. Because one day you're going to meet somebody you want to spend your life with. You're going to meet somebody you want to spend your life with. And you're going to have a conversation. And it's going to be the conversation when you talk about your past. And what a lot of people do is they lie. They lie because they're ashamed of their past. And they feel like if I tell the truth, they're not going to want to spend their life with me. And so they make up a story and they have all sorts of hell and all sorts of problems and all sorts of drama. And then there's divorce and then there's pain and then there's heartache. Determine the story you want to tell. And there's only a couple stories you can tell. You can tell a story, you know, like in high school, I met a guy, I met a girl and our first boyfriend and we were in love. And so we slept together and then it didn't work out and I was broken. And then I met another person and, and we slept together. And then I had a third, you know, boyfriend or girlfriend in high school. And we slept. And then I went to college. And, you know, it was like, it, you know, you get drunk. And it was in the dorm. And it was fun. And it was no big deal. Because, you know, it's like everybody was doing it. And then I settled down, you know, got a job. And, and, and then we'd go out to work with the friends after. And there's a couple one-night stands here or there. But now that I met you, I'm going to give myself fully to you. That's a story you could tell. That's a story you could tell. Here's a better story for you. You know, in high school, I did sleep with my first girlfriend, first boyfriend. And then there was another boyfriend, girlfriend. There was another boyfriend, girlfriend in college. There was a few people. And then, you know, I got a job. And, you know, there's a couple nights going out, you know, one night stands here or there. And then I went to this crazy church with this pastor who talked way too fast. And he got really excited. And I didn't really understand everything he was saying. But he began to challenge me with some stuff. And... And I realized that the way I was living isn't really the way I was meant to live. And I needed to make some changes. And then, and, then, and then he told me not to date for a year. And I didn't like that at all. But I thought, you know what, I'll do it. I'll, I'll take a year off from dating. And I'll just, I'll, I'll focus on, on letting God restore my purity. And I made a decision. I'm not going to date for a year. And I made a decision. I'm not going to have sex again until I get married. And I took a couple years. And I let God heal me. And I let God restore me. And I let God work on me. And I practice self-control. I practice self-control so that before I say I do, I knew that after I said I do, I could do it. So I practice that self-control. And God's healed me in His grace. And, and, and now, the last three years, I've kept myself for you. And I've walked in integrity. I've walked in character. And God's healed me and God's given me grace. That's a much better story you can tell. And for those of you that are virgins, you just need to make it. You need to write it down. Don't, don't just make a decision. I want you to write it down in your Bible. I will be a virgin when I get married. I want you to write it that boldly. If you're a virgin today, you write in your Bible, I will be a virgin when I get married. And here's the second thing, young people, I want you to do. Decide ahead of time. As a teenager, I want you to look at this. Decide ahead of time what honoring God with your body looks like. I want you to decide ahead of time. If you're, if you're 40 years old and single, if you're divorced and single, if you're engaged, if you're dating, if you're anything other than married, decide ahead of time what honoring God with your body looks like. It's like budgeting. You've got a certain amount of money and you've got to decide how you're going to spend that money. You need a sexual budget. Teenagers, you need a sexual budget. You need to decide what you will do and what you won't do. And you need to decide now. You need to pre-decide because you're going to be tempted. Someone's going to tell you they love you. And if you really love them, da-da-da-da-da. 
decisions. You need to make a decision now because temptation's coming. Someone's going to try to get you to do things. Guaranteed. You need a sexual budget. You need to decide what you will do and what you won't do. You need to pre-decide about your future. And I know this, this, this may be a little heavy for you, but here's the truth. I want to leave every single person here today giving up something now for something better. Something better. 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 What you have right now isn't that great, to be honest. Something better later. Guess what? It's not a sacrifice. It's an investment. Giving up sex now as a teenager, that's not a sacrifice. That's an investment. That's an investment in being able to enjoy this very precious, beautiful gift from God for years and years and years with the fullness of it and the pleasure of it and the intimacy of it. You can have a couple years of brokenness and pain, but you can have a lifetime of pleasure. So giving it up now isn't a sacrifice. It is an investment in your future. And look, I know I stirred some stuff up today. I know some of you are, 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 you're not happy with me right now. I know. I'm not happy with me right now, to be honest. I don't like this. It was It was painful. I don't like having to think about my past. But teenagers, I don't want you to have the scars that I have. I don't want you to carry the pain. I don't want you to put your wife through what I put my wife through. I don't want you to bring into your marriage what I brought into my marriage. I don't want you to have to live with the wounds that I've had to live with and the hurt and the pain. You can do it differently. You get a chance to do this right. Look, even if you've already messed up, you get a chance today to make a decision to let God restore and, and bring you purity before you walk down the aisle in the future. And those of you that are divorced, guess what? you got a great chance to get it right the second time. Don't think this applies to teenagers and not you. Don't think because you've already been there and done that, that, that somehow this is not a message for you anymore. No, 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 no. Don't go there. Don't go there. This is just as much for you as anybody else. Married people, those of you that are living in brokenness and pain, it's going to be more complicated for you. I'm going to be honest. It's going to hurt a little bit more. But there's hope. There's hope. There's redemption. God is looking for sexually broken people to redeem. God desperately wants to redeem sexually broken people. He desperately wants to heal them. Especially in the world we live in where it's getting worse and worse and worse. If we don't get honest as a church, we're going to be in trouble. So God is looking for some people that will say, okay, God, I need some healing right now. I need some healing. I need to be redeemed. Again, it's one of the reasons we do our life connectors. We have a whole section of life dealing with breaking sexual soul ties so that in your marriage you can begin to restore the intimacy that's been lost. Because it has nothing to do with you married the wrong person. You didn't marry the wrong person. You broke something that was fragile, and it's causing a lot of heartache. And if you think you're going to go find what you're missing with somebody else, you're fooling yourself. You're going to wind up in the same situation all over again because you didn't fix what was broken. You just took your brokenness to a new relationship. You didn't marry the wrong person. You just need some healing in your life. Close your eyes with me. Father, in the name of Jesus, I know that there's a lot of emotion right now in this room. I pray, Holy Spirit, that your grace would fall in this room. Your love, your comfort would fall in this room. Your encouragement would fall in this room. I come against Satan right now in the name of Jesus. Every lie he was whispering into every ear in this room, that, that they are condemned, the guilt, the shame, the regret, 
that they are broken beyond repair, that they are unworthy because of their past. I come against that right now in the name of Jesus. Holy Spirit, reveal truth to them that they are your children. They are precious. Nothing they have done and their past takes away your love for them and you desperately want to redeem them. You desperately want to bring healing and freedom to their life. You want to restore the intimacy to marriages. You want to help teenagers make choices that will set them up for an incredible future. Holy Spirit, minister right now. Minister as only you can minister. Move as only you can move. I opened up a lot of wounds today. Really, Holy Spirit, you opened up those wounds today. And it's not to make them relive the pain, it's to heal it. The only reason you expose a wound, the only reason you rip open a wound is for healing. And so let let every person right now who's hurting because of this message, hurting because of their past mistakes, let them very clearly know that the only reason they're feeling that pain right now is because you desperately want to heal them. You're not making them feel it to punish them. You're making them feel it so you can bring them to a place of healing place of purity, to restore their future. And God, for the teenagers here, for the teenagers here, can you guys look at me for a second? I'm going to do something different in the service. I just feel this in my heart. For every teenager and single person here, I want to single you out today. For every single person here that would like to honor God with their body and make a decision that I'm going to whether you're a virgin or whether you're not a virgin, but you're here today to say, I'm going to make a decision today that I will not violate this very precious gift until I get married. Even if you've already gone there, that's fine. You can still stand and say, okay, from this moment on, I am not going to have sex until I get married. I'm going to to protect this area, let God restore, let God heal. And if you're a virgin, you're going to make a commitment today that says, you know what? I'm I'm going to give all of me to the person I marry. I want to pray with you. And so if that's you, if you're that single person, I want you to stand up. I want you to take a stand today. Just stand up and say, you know what? I- I'm going I'm to stay pure until I'm married. Just stand up. This isn't easy. This isn't especially for those of you that are divorced, and especially for those of you that are teenagers, I applaud you. But, but uh, let me just recognize, I know how difficult it is for some of you to make that stand today. Let me pray over you. Father, in the name of Jesus, let the commitment that these people are making today give them the power, give them the strength to honor. Let them predecide because temptation is on its way. They're going to have to fight through hell. Satan right now is looking at them and devising a strategy to get them to fall in this area. And I pray protection over them in the name of Jesus. Protect them in the name of Jesus. Save them in the name of Jesus. Would everybody stand with me now? Listen, I know, I know this, is, this is a very difficult, tough Sunday. It was for me. I, I hope that you feel my heart through this thing, that, that we're fighting for people, especially in the world we live in. We're fighting for people. This is serious right now. And, we, and, we need, and this is an all-out war. All-out. When you look at Satan's doing sexually in America, this is a war that we are fighting. 